Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hello, everybody. I am honored to be here with you today. We are fast approaching five years of podcasting. As of October, it will be five years. So uh, there's some big shifts happening over here. Um, Big shifts happening in the next few weeks. If you want more details on that, you can stay all the way to the end of uh, today's episode. Today's episode is going to be a a little different. Um, I was getting a massage yesterday from MB and she was telling me that she's like, I listened to your business episodes, the Strictly Biz episodes where I talk about entrepreneurship. And she's like, I listened to them and then I re-listened to them and I immediately feel expanded and I get so many ideas. And they really generate ideas for me. I write down notes. Uh, I come back for more. And I am hoping that this episode will allow you to do the same thing for your health, uh, for your body, for your self-trust, um, for where you can be inspired to take action, where you can create the space to actually receive that inspiration. Um, I'm sh- I've talked quite a bit about divine masculine, divine feminine. So we all have these traits within us. And divine masculine is really kind of rules, logic, and reason, and action, firmness, survival, strength, rationality, giving, giving out. And then traits of the divine feminine are more about intuition, nurturing, healing, expression, wisdom, patience, emotions, flexibility, fluidity, and then also receptivity and receiving. And our world is one that sort of predominantly favors um, the masculine, right? It's kind of like logic and reason, analytical mind rules it all. And we're like doing, 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 doing. And we tend to potentially kind of like look down on emotions, on intuition. But the reality of the situation is that we need both. We need the flowy, fluid, dreamy, Pisces-like experience. And it's funny because I'm recording this during a Pisces full moon. And I am a Pisces, by the way. The Pisces is my sun sign. For any of you astrology junkies, does that surprise you? Because it like shocks me on a daily basis. 
Because <laughs> you'd think I would be more about like the fire signs, but um, no, I am a deeply feeling, deeply emotional Pisces. Um, so we need that. We need that. And we need action because it's easy to get stuck in that dream state, right? It's easy to get stuck in the deeply feeling state without taking action. And I'm sure as I say this, that will resonate with a lot of you. But we can also get stuck in the analytical mind without allowing ease, flow, and joy. And I'm sure a lot of you will resonate with that. I myself have a lot of masculine energy. Uh, I can really get stuck in action, in doing, 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 giving, 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 going, 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 more, 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 right? Strength, logic, reason, all of that. So I personally have to actively practice taking a step back in order to give myself space. And it's really important to cultivate balance here for all of us. So that's the name of the game of today's show. It's creating sacred space for healing and transformation. And we're going to talk about what that looks like first. I would like to create space for gratitude for our sponsors. As I said, there's a lot of shifts happening. There's a lot of shifts in my company. Um, and I can tell you with certainty that this podcast would cease to exist without our sponsors. I feel honored to partner with great companies. Please show them some love. I'll shout out Organifi first. They're the OG sponsor. They've been with us for a minute. They're dreams to work with. I love their products. I use them myself. Um, if you've listened to the show before, you know that the green juice historically has not been my favorite. I am a converter. Or I'm converter? I'm converted. I'm a believer. Green juice is now like my favorite because I feel so good drinking it every day. Anyway, Organifi's uh, products, their, their powders are just a staple in my household. I know lots of you love them. You can save 20% off your order. Head to Organifi.com forward slash funk, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K. Check them out. You can also use code funk to save 20%. And then we also have Ned. Ned is a company that's near and dear to my heart. They went out of their way to connect with me, to really know me as a person. I'm getting a little choked up. They like, they're not about the money, you know, first they're about people first. And that's something that I just really can get behind. Um, and so I feel truly, truly proud to be able to partner with them as a company. They're doing great stuff and their hemp products are, you know, second to none. I use them myself all the time. You can go to helloned.com forward slash funk or enter code funk at checkout. It's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash funk to get 15% off whatever you order. We thank Ned for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. So much love to the sponsors. With that said, let's talk about creating sacred space for healing and transformation. And right out of the gate, I want to say that like space doesn't have to be a retreat in Bali. It absolutely can be, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. Episode 123. So a while ago, I um, wrote an episode, I recorded an episode called Creating Your Morning Ritual. It's a really good one if you haven't listened to that yet. Um, super, super important. But one of the things I quoted um, was from Seeding Sovereignty, and the quote was, give yourself space to really understand what you might need from the day 
rather than what the day needs from you. And when we wake up, we are every single day, every single morning, every single day when we wake up, it is a chance to choose again, to choose the path that you want to be on instead of the path that you're currently on, if the path you're currently on is not working for you, right? We, our brain is in a very programmable state the second we open our eyes. If you wake up and you immediately start thinking about the exact same things as yesterday, the same problems, the same stressors, the same to-do list, you are essentially programming yourself to be the exact same person you were the day before. Now, if you love where you're at, right, and your, your body's in great shape and you feel so good and everything's great, that's awesome. Do your thing, mommy. But if you're like, no, 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 I would actually like some change. This is such an opportunity to begin to carve out new space to do so. So when you wake up, this is something that I've been doing quite a lot because I wake up and my brain is like, like I'm like writing emails in my sleep and I wake up and I'm like right back in to the day that I was in before. And if I'm looking to create change, then I have to wake up and I have to like actually create the space to say, I'm going to change. So one, one thing that you can do the second that your eyes open in the morning, you can ask yourself the question, what do I need from today? It's as simple as that. You can just open your eyes and say, what do I need from today? What do I need from the day today? Now, this question is predicated on the fact that you have needs and those needs matter, which is a horse of a different color. We won't really get into that too much in today's show, uh, but just a heads up, you do have needs and they do matter. So what do I need from today? Another thing that I do is like, if I'm, if I, I'll just go into gratitude, like I'll open my eyes and like, before I even have a, ch a chance to think, I'll just start to rattle off the things that I'm grateful for. Like these are the, like, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. Thank you so much for this. Uh, another thing is mantras. So if you work with mantras or affirmations, this would be a, an amazing time to, um, to start to pepper them in. Um, but it's, it's this again, not a retreat in Bali. You don't have to up, you know, completely like break down your entire life to create this space. It's literally like you open your eyes, create a moment, a pocket, a whisper of space to kind of needle your way in. Um, anyway, I was, t I've been talking a lot about space through the lens of like creators and entrepreneurs, because a few weeks ago I taught the energetics of expansion course and woo wee, that was a banger, a banger, <laughs> like seeing people go through this program. I was like, damn, I, this was this, we're going to talk about creating space to listen to intuition. And I will say this was a full blown intuitive hit. It didn't make sense. It was a lot of pressure on myself. It was a lot of pressure on my team to make this happen, but I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is coming through me. We have to make this available. Like there is a reason that this is coming through me right now. So we just have to like make it work. And based on the feedback that I'm getting from all participants, I'm like, really, really, really grateful that I listened to that call because damn, as all I'll say is damn. We put it on sale for the Lionsgate portal, which was August 8th. It's still on sale. <laughs> 
We just have to, uh, we're, we're creating it. We're turning it into a course that will live on a membership site until that happens. We're just leaving it on sale. So if you want to swoop in and get it at a discounted rate, you can still do that. I'm not exactly sure when that's going to happen over the next few weeks. We're going to kind of turn it more into a course, repackage it up and sell it. But, um, if you buy it now, you'll get access to like the new course layout and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the point of me saying that is I, um, have been talking a lot about space because space is incredibly important for our creation, but it's also incredibly important for our health. We need it for that too. And that is what we're going to talk about today. And what got me on this tip, I was reading an article last week and it was discussing the changes in a woman's brain after childbirth. Now, the I'll probably have to do an episode on that because man, man alive, lots, lots of stuff to say there. But um, the author was interviewing a pediatrician, T. Barry Brazelton. Is the pediatrician. Um, he wrote a book back in the late 60s, like having to do with new motherhood and, you know, raising children. Um, and at the time of the interview, he was in his 90s. And the conversation she was having felt really validating to her. She's like, he gets it. This guy gets it. He's been around the block. He knows what's up and he gets it. So it felt so validating until she asked him, why women, if we have this information, if we know this information, why aren't women being presented with this information ahead of time? Why aren't they given this information so they can be prepared for what might happen in the postpartum period? And his response was, I don't think most mothers are ready for that kind of information. It would scare a lot of people. I don't think they'd want to think their brains are going to change. They'd be frightened about which way it was going to go. There is this old, pervasive, omnipresent idea that women can't handle information about our own bodies. We've been fed a storyline that our bodies are too complex and that we're ill-equipped to handle information about the complexity. This is obviously bullshit. Um, And I think it's one of the many reasons that so many of us are really twisted up about our bodies. Part, when I was creating Your Hormone Revival, I, part of what I was doing was literally like setting out to create a user's manual, an owner's manual for our female bodies. Because through my healing journey, I learned that so many, I I learned many things about my body that had never been taught to me. And I just kept thinking over and over, why wasn't I taught this? And that's like the, the experience that a lot of people have after going through your hormone revival. They're like, why weren't we taught this? Right? It's not it's not the exception is what I realized after working with so many women. I'm like, it, it's not a me thing. Like, this is the rule. Like, we're just not given this information. And I really wanted to change that, which is why so much of my work, my programs, this podcast, my social media, it's education-based. I do believe that knowledge is power. I do believe that 
it is very important for us to understand the different systems within our body and how they interact with each other. Uh, I even posted a reel on Instagram this week about how our hormones influence our gut. So I was talking about hormonal contributions to leaky gut because our, our, the lining of our intestine, leaky gut is just the, kind of like the colloquial term for intestinal perme- permeability. And the lining of our intestines um, regenerate themselves very quickly within a matter of days. How cool is that, right? It's like the Wolverine superpowers that I'm always talking about. Self-healing capacity, our body can do it if it has the correct inputs. And one of those inputs is appropriate hormones. So if we are deficient in estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, if we're hypothyroid, if we've got high cortisol, all of these can really impact our gut's ability to regenerate itself. And so this is why we might see somebody going on a leaky gut protocol, but not able to fully heal their leaky gut because there's many different things at play. Um, Just like our gut and our digestion influence our hormones, things like bioflow and the estrobilome and pathogens and dysbiosis. Also, our hormonal system, our endocrine system can influence our gut. Yes, this is confusing. Yes, this is complex. Welcome to the human body, my dudes. We've got webs on top of webs and systems on top of systems. I want people to start to see that their bodies are these whole interconnected beings rather than these compartmentalized pieces. I think that's where conventional medicine has done us a a big disservice. We've gotten too specialized, right? Take a step back and say, damn, look at this fucking miracle. (laughs) Like, is it complex? Hell yes. Welcome to the human body. Can you handle it? Abso-fucking-lutely. Abso-fucking-lutely. If we're equipped with it, this information, then I, I, I think we're equipped with the understanding to make the necessary changes. Um, Joe Dispenza said, the importance of assigning meaning to what you're doing causes you to gain value from the experience, right? So we're not just going through the motions. We're not just saying, well, somebody on Instagram told me to eat broccoli sprouts. So I'm eating broccoli sprouts. I did it for three days and then I like threw in the towel, right? We have to understand the whys behind this. If we understand how these actions, how these behaviors actually influence our physiology, then we become motivated to actually do these things. If we understand the why, we're more likely to stick with these practices. This is how we can begin to use the understanding of our own biology to heal our own biology. So in this way, education can become the catalyst for change. And so all of that is true. All of that is true. And also, we know that just having the information doesn't necessarily create the change that we desire. Just simply knowing the things doesn't create the change. We are at a fever pitch of information right now. There's so much information coming at us every single moment of every single day. Sometimes that information can feel overwhelming, especially when it's contradictory, right? Like I just had somebody last week ask me fasting, like, is it good for my hormones or not? Like how many hours I've dedicated to talking about fasting and still people are like, yeah, but, 
over here, they're saying this. And then over here, they're saying this, like it is challenging. (laughs) It's really challenging, right? To have all this information. It can feel a little unsettling, a little ungrounding. It's hard to know what is the right thing. Speaking of fasting, I did do a really thorough deep dive. It's like a two hour episode. Um, so I would send you there if that's a question that you have. But it's information by itself. It rarely creates the change. There is, I've said this before, and I will probably say it a great and many times, there's a huge difference between knowledge and embodiment. Knowledge is, I know this. I have this information. It's up here, pointing to my, my head. It's up here. Embodiment is like, I'm like, patting my chest, right? It's here. I live my life as a testament to this knowledge. I eat, breathe, and sleep this knowledge. This knowledge is like playing out through the landscape of my body in my life. I will tell you the hardest client to work with is the client that rolls up and says, I already know this. It's like they are, that statement, I've said this before, I already know this. It's where transformation ends. It's like putting up a wall between themselves and change. I already know this is where, like that thought process is like where you take yourself out of the game before it even begins. And so I know that is a real clue that when somebody says that to me, these are people who are not they might actually have this information up in their brain, but they're not embodying it. They're not integrating this information into their lives because I can hear the same information over and over and over again. And I allow it to let me access like a new level of embodiment. I'm like, huh, okay. I'm hearing this again. Like, how can I, am I integrating this? Am I really practicing this as though it were truth? If we want true transformation, Whatever that looks like for you, like, you know, whatever that looks like for you. We'll talk about health. You know, I'm kind of thinking about health right now, but transformation can look like anything. If we want to truly heal, we must, it's not just collecting information. It's not just collecting data. It's not just reading books. It's not just following more people in the functional medicine space and like consuming their content. We also have to build out the space to integrate that information. So a question to ask yourself, I'm all about radical self-honesty, even when it's uncomfortable, but a question to ask yourself is how much time do you spend consuming information versus how much time do you spend integrating that information? It's the balance of these two where change and transformation come from. The balance between these two. So are you consuming so much of everybody else's information that there's no space for you? It's like all the energy is gobbled up. I found myself here recently, not so much consuming other people's information, but other people's energy. And I was like, I feel funky. Whose energy is this? (laughs) is this mine or does this belong to somebody else? I feel like my energy field is clogged up. There's lots of stuff here. Is this my stuff or is this other people's stuff? And in order to figure that out uh, and to kind of clear that, I used subconscious reprogramming tools. I used somatic release tools to kind of clear and recode that. These are all tools that we go into in your hormone revival, by the way. And another thing that we do 
in your hormone revival in the same vein is something I call an energy audit. It's figuring out where your energy is coming and going. And it's arguably the most important thing you can do for your health, for your mental health, your physical health, your energetic health, your spiritual health, all of it. The more inputs and outer influence that are coming in to your body, to your field, to your consciousness, to your subconsciousness, the less space there is for you. The more external influence you have, the more you start to look at yourself through the lens of those external inputs. It becomes less clear to you where you end and someone else begins. It becomes more challenging to discern what's yours and what's not yours. So you end up carrying around the things that don't belong to you. This leads to burnout. This leads to fatigue. This can lead to pain. In my experience, (laughs) I realized through this audit, because this is not a set it and forget it. This is something that, you know, we're kind of constantly doing. We create the space to check in with ourselves on a regular basis. This is like managing and auditing our own energy. But I realized that I was carrying around the responsibility of caretaking other people's emotions to such an extent that it was actually beginning to play out physically in my body. And I'm experiencing a ton of nerve pain. I had shingles four years ago and that nerve circuit just got real lit up. I call it like my spidey senses. When I feel it start to tingle, I'm like, something's up. Something is up here. And I want to be really clear when I'm talking about other people's energy. I do not look at other people's energy as toxic. That's not something that you'll hear me say. I really don't like when people describe it as such. I don't think that we have to protect ourselves from toxic energy. I don't feel like we have to build up walls and shields of, you know, protection. But it it is important to understand that our bodies and our energy fields are not designed to run other people's energy through them. Their energy is for them and our energy is for us. And so if we are people who tend to run other people's energy, if we have a lot of inputs coming in, whether it's other people's opinions or their actual energy, if we are running that energy through our bodies, it is not how we build health. And I, I really think that this is why sensitive people, sensitive kiddos, you know, uh, child with adverse childhood experiences or children with adverse childhood experiences, we know are more likely to end up with health struggles later on in life. Uh, Empaths, highly sensitive people, uh, we tend to run because we had to do it at an early age. We learned to do this at an early age to run other people's emotions, to run other people's energies to figure out ways to be the peacekeepers to make our needs matter less and create more space for other people's needs. Running these energies through our own little bodies, that takes a toll. That takes a toll that can play out later in life. 
And so if we're doing this, we, this is not even something that many of us are conscious of, by the way. If we are doing this, we lose the ability to experience ourselves in our totality because we have so many other inputs constantly coming in. One of the things that I teach uh, in Your Hormone Revival and in some other spaces as well is breath work. And the style of breath work that I practice and teach allows us to feel the true imprint of our own energy. And for some people, when they tap into this, it feels like bliss. It's the best feeling in the world. And for some people, it actually feels quite unsettling. If it feels unsettling to experience your own energy, like your unique energy imprint that is yours, that's a good sign that you've been mixing it up with a lot of external inputs. And that's what feels familiar to you. Other people's stuff, other people's information, other people's stuff, right? And I I talked about this in the boundaries course, which is another kind of game changer of a program because it brings our attention to not just what we do, but like why we're like this. And when some of us kind of reach our fingers into other people, like if I'm working on other people, if I'm helping other people, if I'm, if I'm helping other people correct their lives, it's a great way to bypass being in our own shit, being in our own bodies, being in our own energy. So many of us are used to kind of like dipping out, like this feels uncomfortable. I'm going to dip out. I'm going to mix it up in everybody else's stuff because that feels more comfortable, comfortable to me than sitting with my own stuff. So again, I ask you, how much time do you spend consuming information or scanning what everybody else is doing or listening to everybody else's opinions, listening to everybody else's inputs, uh, trying to caretake other people? How many inputs do you allow into your space every single day versus how much time do you spend listening to yourself? How much time do you spend sitting with yourself? How much time do you spend getting to know and understand yourself? Do, do you even have a space to do that? How much time do you spend integrating all the information that you're pulling in? Are you practicing conscious consumption. I've talked about this premise before. Simply what I mean by that is, are you aware of how much you're consuming? Are you aware of the inputs coming in or is it just happening without you even being aware of it? This is why I think that learning how to manage your own energy, learning to do these energy audits are so important. And the first step is simply bringing awareness to this, bringing awareness to what's coming in versus what's going out on a daily basis. And speaking of conscious consumption, let me shout out the other two show sponsors, Element, Have you guys might have seen me share this on Instagram because it was like my 
my drink of choice this summer. I think I perfected like my favorite margarita. I can't drink anything with sugar. It makes me feel like trash. Um, so what I did is I took the lime packet, the element lime packet, not the full packet. You kind of have to tinker around, you know, to see what your flavor profile is, how much you like. So I would put mix a little bit with water and then I would add a shot of tequila and then I would add ice, shake it up, throw in some limes, like fresh limes, and then top it with plain seltzer water. So good. So, I mean, Element didn't design their electrolyte drinks for cocktails, but I'm just saying a little pro tip. If that's your vibe, really good. Um, I highly recommend checking out Element. Go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk and you'll get eight single serving packets for free. So you can try all the different flavors. So that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash funk. And I don't think I planned this great. I didn't really think this one through, but my next, my next sponsor is Dry Farm Wine. I'm really making myself sound like a booze bag right now. I will tell you this. My main vice is work. I am like, I understand that I have workaholic tendencies. And so when things feel um, hard, challenging, like emotionally challenging in my life, I kind of turn to work as a way to bypass feeling the feelings. And I am aware of this, right? This is my thing. This is my practice. And so the past few months have been really intense, just working very long hours and a lot of personal stuff and emotions flying high. And so I found myself just working from the moment I got up to the moment I went to bed as a way to kind of check out. And so what I have found for myself, and I'm saying this because I'm sure many, I know I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show and you might be able to resonate with this, but I, because I work from home too, like I don't have to unplug at the end of the day. Like I can keep on keeping on. And I found that if I have an, a ritual in the evening that kind of denotes this is the end of the workday, that's really helpful for me. So there is something about pouring a glass of wine. I won't, I don't just drink for the sake of drinking. Like I don't, like I'm not a huge drinker. It's like I really have to enjoy it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like conscious consumption. I really have to enjoy what I'm doing, uh, what I'm drinking. And so dry farm wines, they're organic, they're biodynamically grown, they're sugar-free. That's why they don't make you feel like a dump truck. Uh, they're grown on small family farms. I love them. But I pour a glass of like red wine, not every night, but like, and then I cook dinner. And there's just something about like the coziness of that ritual, especially now that we're in fall, that really like signals to my brain and to my body, like, hey, it's time to put the laptop away. Like we're done with work. And now we're transitioning into a different portion of the day. And so I've been really doing that. And so again, I don't think you need wine in order to do that, but it is part of like my ritual that feels so special to me. So if you enjoy a glass of wine, I highly recommend going to dryfarmwines.com forward slash funk. You can get an extra bottle in your first box for a penny. And so go check them out. I think you will enjoy. So conscious consumption and energy audits. Carolyn Miss defines intuition as the ability to use energy data to make decisions in the immediate moment. And so energy data can be emotions. It can be body sensations. 
it can be physical symptoms. You know, for me, nerve pain, my nerves were like, yo, like you got to pay attention to something right now. Like look alive, dude. Right. So these, these inputs can, are the, the difference here, the difference here, I'm talking about inputs, but these are like the calls coming from inside the house. Like these are inputs coming from within instead of without, or instead of without, instead of coming from outside. <laughs> I think you get what I'm saying. So we have to discern how much inputs are coming from the external world and ask ourselves, do we have to dial that back a little bit? Is that noise a little too loud to the point that I can't hear what's going on inside of me? So can we dial that down, turn that back, and turn up the dial on what's happening inside? Step one to accessing this inner data bank is to create the space to allow these messages to come in. If your energy, if your life, if your world is completely cluttered up with everybody else, there is no space for you, right? There is no space for your higher guidance and your wisdom to come in. Again, talk about that in the boundaries course, which by the way, is a bonus. You get a free bonus of YHR because it's so, it's so, instrumental. I I really, really, really do think that auditing our energy and being able to create boundaries is the way to prevent burnout, is the way to bring our hormones back into balance. Um, So we have to create the space. And then the second step is being willing to pay attention to those signals, right? Because we can interpret these signals as wrong, as bad, as like if we feel an emotion, like, well, I shouldn't be feeling that, right? I feel resentful. There's something wrong with me. So we're, we're allowing ourselves the space to just pay attention, to be curious without judgment. One of my mentors said, in order for our bodies to be a safe space for us to exist, we have to stop bringing violence upon ourselves. The chief way that we do this, that we bring violence to ourselves is through our own thoughts. So we have to literally reprogram the way that we speak to ourselves. So we're not creating space to pay attention to what's going on within just to then beat ourselves up for what's going on within. We're not doing that. We're stepping back. We're looking at this through a lens of neutrality. We're just getting curious. And then we're also allowing the space to recognize that these messages are coming in for a reason. So we have to figure out, hmm, where do I feel this in my body? You know, what messages are coming through? How am I I experiencing these messages? And what is it trying to tell me? For me, a really great way to do this is through journaling. My, um, one of my very best friends, we were talking about journaling and journaling is something that she's been wanting to do for a long time. Cause she's like, I just think it'll be so beneficial for me. But she realized she had this huge light bulb moment awareness and I'm sharing it here because I know that somebody else is going to, this is going to click in for somebody else too. She realized that like she was resisting journaling because it it didn't feel cathartic to her because she was basically, every time she sat down to journal, she was creating like a to-do list for herself. So she was still utilizing that analytical brain. So 
a like journaling as a way to explore where you're at, as a way to create space to hear your own self is not um, is not really like the analytical brain. It's it's not though that divine masculine. It really is that divine feminine. We want to be moving into a receiving space. We want to open up to receive these messages. And oftentimes we actually have to get relaxed enough in order to receive something. Uh, the creative flow state is really when the brain is in more of an alpha wave pattern, we cannot be in like a fight or flight jacked up state and also be open to receive. Like it just kind of doesn't work that way. So think about what your receiving space might look like. It might be in meditation. It might be in nature. It might be breath work. It might be doing diaphragmatic breathing. For me, walking outside in the woods and then journaling, those are my two receiving spaces. Like I, I really receive a lot of insight. Um, I think of Joan Didion who said, I don't know what I think until I write about it. For me, truer words have never been spoken. I have to write to process. So journaling might be your thing. It might not, but you do have to kind of create that space for messages to come in. And then the, the third step is to actually act on this inner guidance. Our intuition gets stronger the more we listen to it and the more we make decisions based on it. This is a practice. So it's really about having the courage to recognize that whatever messages are coming through your body, even if they're uncomfortable and even if they're, un even if they're confusing, it's really guidance in your life directing you to care, to take care of yourself and to make choices that will align you with your greatest, greatest purpose. It's even if they feel uncomfortable, even if they feel really rough to experience, they're trying to break you out of stuckness, out of stagnation, out of misery. It's, it's a call, it's a call to action. And I use the word courageous um, kind of purposely here because sometimes you have to break away from comfort and safety in order to take action on your inner guidance. Our intuition typically directs us into the new. This is why when some people do get intuitive guidance and messages, they're like, oh, no, hell no. Nah. Like, cut it off. Nope. Nope. I've done this before. I recently did this. Like, I get it. I get it. Sometimes the message is coming in hot and fast and you're like, I actually don't have the emotional t or time bandwidth to deal with this. Like, stick a pin in it. But just know that when you stick a pin in, in your intuition, it's going to come back and it's going to come back louder and louder and louder. And oftentimes this is when disease manifests or um, like a breakdown manifests or like something kind of that feels a little traumatic or catastrophic. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm telling you that like through my own personal lived experience. So we can hear the messages and we can say, now is not the best time. I promise I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to come back to you. But if you completely ignore it, it usually finds a way to, to get your attention in my experience. Um, but again, that intuition is typically guiding us into the new, new cycles, new learning, new experiences. And that can get uncomfortable for a lot of us. Of course it can. But I think it's what we have to do. 
to develop self-trust. I was talking to two other practitioners independent of one another. We were talking about messages that we receive in DMs. And both of them, again, independent of one another, were talking about how people are really just looking for reassurance because they don't trust themselves to make the right decision for themselves. I have a very high level of trust in myself. I have cultivated this. I have worked hard to get here. And I, with this level of trust, I could not imagine reaching out to somebody that I don't know to ask them for guidance on what I should do with my own body, right? That just wouldn't happen. Similarly, I just, just yesterday I posted a smoothie recipe and somebody messaged me and was like, oh, so many oxalates. And I'm just like, you're blocked because that's so rude. Like, don't yuck my yum. I love food too much. Do not steal my joy with your negativity. But also like this is not bothersome to me. Like I'm not worried that I'm eating too many oxalates. The rules that this person has created for their own sense of safety in food does not need to apply to me. So I can get this message and it's truly like, you know, like water on a windshield. It just like rolls right off. It doesn't impact my life. It doesn't affect me. I don't start second guessing myself. I don't start saying, oh gosh, maybe I am eating too many oxalates. Oh dear, is this a problem? Should I freak out? Like I don't do that. That is not the norm when it comes to our bodies, when it comes to food. This is like, I've had to like fight against programming and like deprogram myself so I can have this level of self-trust that is unshakable. When people are like, you are so confident, I'm like, it, it's, it's self-trust. What, you, what, are you, what is landing as confidence to you is self-trust. That's what confidence is. It's trust in oneself. And yes, I do have it. And I have it about my body and I have it about my, my health and I have it about my food because I've cultivated that. I've created the space to do that. If you are not there yet, that is okay. If you're like, I don't have trust in myself like this, this is, does not become yet another reason for you to self-flagellate, yet another reason for you to do violence on yourself, yet another reason for you to beat yourself up. There are, I want you to understand, we unpack this more in your hormone revival, but I want you to understand there are many reasons you don't trust yourself or your intuition or your body. You know, what, how I started the show, treating women's bodies as overly complex and complicated, not being told the information about your body. That's one of them. The medical gaslighting of women that happens all over the place. That's another. I, this was a couple years ago. I wrote, it was something on Instagram and I was sharing my experience about what I went through with uh, my autoimmune, getting the autoimmune diagnosis journey. And a med student said to me, I'm sorry that happened to you, but anecdotal evidence isn't evidence. Oof, isn't that just the message we receive all of the time from healthcare? Your experience isn't real and it doesn't matter. That's basically what it says. Anecdotal evidence isn't evidence. Your story is not valid. I'm sorry that that happened to you, but it doesn't really mean anything. If we're constantly being told that our experience isn't real and it doesn't matter, of course, this is going to create a lack of trust. We divorce ourselves from our body, 
from our intuition, from our inner knowing. Because we bring up our inner knowing with somebody else, with an external authority whom we trust, and we're told this isn't real. In my worldview, people's experience is evidence. When people tell me something, I listen. When somebody shares what's going on with their body, with their health, I listen. Teaching women about their bodies deprograms the idea that our bodies are not to be trusted. Information and education is so important, right? It's why I do what I do. It's why I've been podcasting for five flipping years. This matters. This information matters. But also, the space to integrate what we're learning about our bodies is equally important. And I don't think there's enough reverence and understanding of this fact. So if change, transformation, and healing is what you're after, can you begin to find some balance here between the inputs coming in and creating the space to integrate the appropriate inputs and then also listen to yourself? Create the space. Your intuition knows what to do with that information. Your intuition knows if it needs to like block some inputs or, or, or internalize some inputs. Your intuition knows. So you got to create the space to do that. And it's why your hormone revival is a three-month container to kind of build on what I talked about a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago about testing. We're not doing a la carte testing. I'm not going to look at your labs and tell you what to do with your life. It is such a small and teeny tiny portion of the overall story. Give me some time. Give me some time with you. I promise you're going to walk out feeling transformed, but it's three months, right? (laughs) Three months minimum. And it's why we also offer weekly healing Sunday sessions. It's an opportunity to actually practice what you're learning in this program. This summer, I signed up for a three-week course where we met for two hours in the middle of the day on Sunday, three weeks in a row. And I'm like, I an idiot. Like summer weekends are so precious in the Northeast, right? Because summer is very fleeting. And I'm like, am I an idiot to be doing this? By the third week, it was such a sacred and special thing. I was like, I am so going to miss this. I looked forward to it all week because it was a space for me to take care of myself. It was in incredible. And then immediately on the heels of that, I signed up for another weekly thing. And then immediately on the heels of that, I I signed up for another weekly thing because I want somebody else to hold space for me once a week. That feels so good. And so that's what we offer you through the Sunday sessions. Uh, It's an opportunity to actually practice what you're learning in the program. And by the way, we also offer the grad pass. So like if you've ever done YHR, like over the past four years, you can also buy the grad pass and you get access to all the Sunday sessions. You also get access to any like new updates to the program. So this time around, we have Lenise Brothers um, teaching an incredible masterclass on your cycle. Uh, We have Barry and Barry teaching. We have Leah Leviton teaching like a, a breast tissue massage. Um, So really good stuff. So you get access to all the updates as well. But what I'm trying to do in your hormone revival is 
offer you the information because I know you can handle it, but also the space for integration. And I believe it's the, this combination is why we see such radical transformation through this program. So I'm saving this, I'm saving this little mini announcement until the very end because I feel like it's my more intimate community that listens all the way through. Like if you're hanging out with me, how long has this been? An hour? I don't even know. Uh, all the way through to the end. Like I know, I know you're, I know it, we're like, we're a community. We've got a bond, right? So the announcement is that this podcast isn't going anywhere. We're actually going to ramp up some things, which I'm really excited about. Um, we're in um, some talks with different uh, people on ways to make this feel like more of an intimate community. Um, certain things that will, certain things will be extended here that I won't be extending anywhere else. So I might say some things on the podcast that you won't hear other places. And one of those things, again, this won't be announced anywhere, but we have decided to extend your hormone revival enrollment. We, I, I don't think I've ever done this before. Uh, once the cart closes, the cart closes for my programs. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about. I've created a lot of space for my own inner guidance to come through. There's just been something kind of like scratching at me a little bit and I'm going to listen. My intuition is telling me that my involvement in this program might change for future rounds. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to allow enrollment for this particular round to stay open for now. I am, another announcement, I am starting the work on my book. <laughs> Uh, that so many of you have been asking me to write for so many years, 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 years. I don't have a book deal. I don't have an agent. I don't have a publisher. Like I, I, I am writing this book for me. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm in the throes of it. And, um, I just trust that like the right path in terms of publishing, whether I self-publish or not, I, I just trust that the right path will reveal itself to me. Um, but what I will say is that as I'm actively in the book writing process, I will be running this round of YHR and I'm, I just know that the lessons and the learnings will be infused into the YHR classes. And so because of that, and because it feels like a special time, I did want to open up this course to more people if you feel called to join. So with that said, Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Cheers to five years, hopefully five more years, and I'll check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.